Mexicans and Red Bull for dinner. I brought it all down for him. It was pretty great. So uh, I was really into that. Um, all right. So what is the biggest change that you have had in your life? And I know you're, everyone's young, but everyone has like a big change that's happened in their life. Maybe your change is, uh, and I'll give you a couple of mine. These are my top three big changes when I was a kid. Um, I moved schools when I was in middle school. Uh, I moved from one school where I had a bunch of friends to a new school. I didn't know anyone at this school. Uh, I had, it was very serious to me. I know it may not be serious to you, but I had a heartbreak. My heart was broken in middle school. I had this girlfriend. I was dating her uh, for about, uh, about a week. Uh, I was in love with her. And uh, she was in sixth grade. I was in seventh grade. You know, but in the, 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 that distance was just, her classes were on one side of the school. Mine were the other side of the school. And it was just too long distance for me. And uh, we had to break it off after a week. I was heartbroken. So that was a big change. And uh, my parents, they were divorced when I was in middle school too. So kind of figuring out how to do the, you know, deal with my dad and having a relationship with my dad while I lived with my mom full time. That, that, was, that was difficult. That was a change. Uh, what are some changes for you, changes that you've encountered during your time so far in junior high, maybe sixth and eighth grade? Give me a change. What? Puberty is a big change. That is a huge one. Thank you. You're totally right. No one should lie. You're totally right. You're a man of science and medicine, and you are right. What is another big change that you have seen in junior high, maybe in your own life, a change that has happened? Could be a physical, could be a location. What's a change? Do you have one? Yeah, moving up in grade, that is change. You know, here's the thing that I've learned about change, okay? And there's two different groups of people. There are the people who really like change, and there are the people who aren't a big fan of change, okay? Because change is dangerous. Where are the people who are okay with change? who are okay with change. You're, so where are my okay with change people? Where am I, I do not like change people? Uh, I have, so I'm of the, of, I don't, I love change, okay? I don't care about change. I moved from New York to Missouri, and then Missouri out here to California. Uh, I am fine with change, I like change, but what I found over time is that people don't fear change, they fear loss. That's what I've come to learn over time. You know, so even as a junior hire, when you are afraid of change or something new, it's not because you're afraid of something new. You're afraid of losing what you had. You're afraid of losing what you know and what you're familiar with. So when I was afraid of going to this new school, it wasn't because I was, I was afraid of the people at this new school. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't bothered by the change of a new school. I was saddened by the loss of the friends I had at my old school. See, when we do something for a while, and we kind of know the way we do it, and we know the way we like it, when that thing changes, the loss of what we know sometimes is really scary. See, change, uh, changing everything starts with changing one thing, and change is all around us. Change is all around us. Everywhere we look, things are changing. There's places changing. I went back to New York, where I'm from, and I had this favorite restaurant, okay? Every day after school, I was in high school, every day after school, there's a restaurant across the street from my school named Bocce's Pizza. There's a very cute girl there. Uh, she was a lot older than me, and her boyfriend had tattoos, which taught me to, in order to get a beautiful girl, I needed tattoos, which got me my wife, Brittany, which proves the point. So uh, this place across the street from my school named Bocce's Pizza, you could get like, and when I was a kid, it, it felt like it was just an ocean of French fries. Like, you know, you ever get like a thing of French fries that is just overflowing, like it's more than any one person needs to eat, but you get it and it's super cheap and you're like, you really feel like you got your money's worth. 
Well, that was my life in high school. So every day, you'd get, I'd get this big thing of french fries, and so many good memories were created there. I'd hang out there with my friends. I remember we would study for tests there before school. I remember when we didn't study for tests, we would skip school and eat french fries there. Like, a lot of great memories were created at this french fry place called Bocce's Pizza. And when I went back home to New York, I went, I was like, I was like, babe, you know, I was with Brit. Like, hey, let's go. I want to take you to this old french fry place I used to go to. And we went, and it wasn't there. The place that I loved so much was gone. It got changed into a sushi restaurant, which sushi in Buffalo, by the way, sushi, Buffalo is not near the ocean. So sushi in Buffalo does not taste that good, not like California sushi. And I was freaked out by that change. It happens in California too. Like I have like a favorite restaurant, a favorite place I love. And then they go out of business and a new place comes. Even those little changes, changes everywhere. Billboards change, commercials change apps that everyone uses, that changes, everything changes. But here's a question. In the world where everything changes, where does God fit? Because does God change too? Like is God as changing as everything else? Or, or did God have a plan that he stuck to? See, when I was in football, I played football when I was a kid. And I don't know if everyone plays sports, sports people, where are you? Okay. So I played football when I was a kid. And I remember the hardest part of playing football or really playing any sport. The hardest part is when you get to like the third quarter or like the, the last inning or the last you know half of the game and you're losing. And the game plan you came in with, it's just not working. And so you have to change the game plan in order to hopefully win the game because the defense has figured out your offense or vice versa. The game plan you had is not working. Now, we've all been there. We've all gone into a situation with a game plan that doesn't work. We have a, a plan of how we're going to make friends, and that doesn't work. We have a game plan of how we're going to deal with conflict with a brother or a sister or a friend or a parent, and that doesn't work. We go into a plan of how we're going to do school, and that doesn't work. And what happens? We end up changing the plan. Well, is God the same way? Does God come in with a plan and then change his plan? Does he change who he is? See, here's the thing that I believe. I believe that Jesus, unlike a lot of us, and I'll include myself in this because I'm a sinner and I make mistakes, uh, Jesus stands for something and he doesn't change. See, where I, I've changed over time. I've changed my points of view. I've changed what I believe in. I didn't used to believe in Jesus. I believe in him now. Like, I've changed over time. Jesus doesn't change. He knows what he stands for. I want you guys to open your Bible, and we're going to look at a lot of different verses. Today's a day that this is different, because I'm not going to put the scripture on the screen. We're actually going to thumb through our Bibles, and we're going to find these books in our Bible. So it'll hopefully teach you a little bit of how to find a Bible, uh, book of the Bible. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 1 with verse 15. So here's the deal. Don't yell out the page number. Uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 15 is here on the screen. You're going to see it in a second. I don't know, it's not up there yet, but you're going to see it. And it's in the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, the New Testament, if you kind of open it halfway and kind of keep moving toward, you know, the, the end of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books of the Bible. It's the gospel. And we're going to be in Mark. So Matthew, Mark's the second one. And Mark chapter 1, this is the very beginning, Mark chapter 1. And this is... The, the apostle uh, Mark talking. He's recording this book of the Bible and he's starting in this book of the Bible talking about a guy named John the Baptist. And this is what he said. I hope everyone has it. Mark chapter 1 with verse 15. You guys can look at it. Just one verse. Uh, the time promised by God 
has come at last, he announced. And here's the end. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, what's he talking about here? Is my mic still working? You guys still hear me? All right. What's he talking about here? Well, John the Baptist, he's wrapping up this sermon that he's been giving to the people. And he's been giving this sermon about this coming person, this Messiah who's going to be here. And Jesus is that person, and he is arriving. And he's looking at all the people, and he's saying, hey, the time is now. The kingdom of God is near. Now, you might think the kingdom of God is near. What does that mean? When I think of the kingdom of God, I, I think of heaven, right? I think of God as a king. I think of Jesus as a king. I think of them sitting on a throne in heaven. I think that's the way the Bible talks about it. So when I think of the kingdom of God, I think about that place. Well, so what does this mean then? To say that the kingdom of heaven is near, that it's close. When I think of something that's near, I think of something that I can go to, a place that I can arrive at. Somewhere that's not too far, that won't take a lot to get there, and that I can actually go visit this place. That's something that's near to me. So what's John the Baptist talking about? Well, I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew is the book right next door to Mark. Uh, Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. Uh, A guy named Matthew wrote it. He used to be a tax collector. He was kind of a jerk, but then he met Jesus, and everything about his life changed. It's really good. Here's what it says. Keep flipping. Don't yell at the page number. Don't worry about that. Find Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10. See, this is fun thumbing through a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you guys should get one. Bibles are totally worth it. This is what it says. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, here's the thing. Back then, people, some people saw this as this big moment that's going to happen. This moment that a Messiah king is going to come to earth and everything's going to change. And they were waiting for that time. And they were praying this prayer, a prayer that we're going to look at later. It was a prayer that actually Jesus taught the people. And he said, and this is part of the prayer, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May the things that happen on earth be like the things that are happening in heaven. All right, so has anyone ever gone to someone's house for dinner, maybe with a parent, uh, and your parent says, and they, as you're walking in the door, and I, this used to happen to me all the time. My mom used to do this all, all the time. She used to do this. She'd pull me aside, pull me in close, and she was like, she was giving me a hug, and I was thinking to myself, oh, my mom loves me. She's just giving me a hug, and she's really pulling me in close to give me a talking to. So she pulls me in close. She's like, all right, Justin, listen. She's giving me some coaching. Justin, listen. I know we're going over this person's house for dinner, but you're not going to treat their house any different than you treat our house. Do you jump on the beds and the couches at our house? No, Mom. Then you're not going to jump on their beds, their couches. You're not gonna, you, we don't leave the toilet seat up at our house, do we? No, Mom. You're not going to leave their toilet. You're not going to put on women's clothing. You don't do that at your house. No, Mom, I don't. You're not going to put on women's clothing at their So she would say, it, we're going to this person's house, but we're not going to treat their house any different than we treat our house. This is what this verse is saying. God, we want to see the kingdom of heaven, the stuff that happens in heaven. We want to see that here on earth. We want earth to look no different than heaven. Well, that's a scary idea. See, actually, a lot of people are really freaked out by that idea. I want you to flip over to John chapter 11. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. So I want you guys to find that. This is so good. I'm so happy we're reading this together. Because a lot of people are really freaked out by this idea. You know, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there was a time where people, people would be very afraid 
of the local, uh, I want to make sure I find the right page, local government. Now listen, I'm not afraid of the government, okay? But there was a time when people were very afraid of the government, especially in Bible times. See, back then in Rome, uh, Rome was in charge of this big area of land. So think of it this way, think of it this way. Think of the sections you're sitting in like little, like cities in and of themselves, okay? So this is a city. We're going to call this Girlville, and we're going to put Christine Tran. She is going to be the mayor of Girlville. We're going to call this Ladyland. We're going to put Marissa Mays as the mayor of Ladyland. That's going to be the homeless slums back there, a little, yeah? And we're, we'll put, uh, We'll put uh, Gavin in charge of that. He's the mayor of Homelessville. Uh, we're gonna put, we're gonna call this uh, the the guys Gaville, guys Gaville, guys Gaville, and the guys are here. And Tyler Stipp is the mayor of guys Gaville. And this is uh, this is Man Man Station. So Man Station, beep beep, the choo choo trains coming. Man Station, and, uh, and we're gonna have uh, uh, what's his face here. Uh, um, Come on, no, no, don't tell me his name, I know it. Uh, Jackson here is going to be the mayor of, uh, of, of Man Station. So whenever I say Man Station, all right. So imagine this, imagine this, okay? Everyone is running their own little town, but I am the king over all of these towns. I'm in charge of everything. So imagine it this way, imagine it this way. If something's happening in one of these towns that I don't like, I'm going to come into that town and I'm going to like squash it. Because whatever's happening in these towns, it has to be something that pleases me. And the people in these towns knows that whatever happens in their town has to please me. So if something's happening that's not pleasing me, I'm going to come in and I'm going to squash it. Now this is what's happening in Bible times. See, they were really afraid of this coming Messiah. They talked about him in the, New Tef- in the Old Testament. And they were very afraid of this guy, this coming Messiah. So what would happen is if someone is claiming to be the Messiah, if someone is, is rallying people around them to rebellion against Rome, against the king, against those who are in charge, the king, those who are in charge, are going to come to your little city and they're going to take out the leadership. They're going to kill them. They're going to come in with their own soldiers. They're going to take control of the city. They're going to squash the rebellion. And all the people who are in charge are going to lose their jobs. And new people are going to be installed. People that are going to absolutely answer to the king. Because it's all about making the king happy. Now, here's the thing. So imagine if in Guy Station, choo, come on, come on, choo, choo. All right. Guy Station, Jackson here is in charge. And there's a rebellion happening in Guy Station. There's this guy claiming to be the Messiah. And he's rallying all these people around him. And I'm going to go to Guy Station, and I'm going to see what's happening. And I'm going to take the, the mayor of Guy Station, and I'm going to pull him, and I'm going to cut his head off. And I'm going to cut some other people's heads off. And then I'm going to put my own people in charge. That's what happened in the New Testament. And this is what it says. This is the, the, the Pharisees, guys that were religious leaders, people that were in charge. This is what they said. If we allow him, him being Jesus, if we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. So for, the, for that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. See, they were afraid of the change that Jesus was going to bring. They were like afraid for their life. Imagine if people start to believe in this guy, Jesus. Imagine if people start to believe what this guy teaches. Imagine if people start to like follow him and, 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 and start to do what, you know, what he does. But here's the thing. Changing everything starts with changing one thing. And changing the normal is what Jesus did. Changing the normal. See, changing everything starts 
with changing one thing. And changing the normal is something that Jesus did. See, it was just normal for everyone to say, oh, we'll just keep going on about our lives. No, 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 no Messiah here. No rebellion here. No religious freedom here. But Jesus was about changing things. And he, he was in the business of that, actually. And he knew his plan, and he stuck to his plan. You know, this is what it says in Psalms. It's not here on the screen. It's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it. Uh, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. See, that's such a powerful verse. Psalm 124, verse 8. You guys should l- memorize that verse. i got to put it on Instagram. Josh, make a note to put that on Instagram. That's a great verse. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. If anyone knows how to change the world, to bring the things of heaven to earth, it's the person that created the heavens and the earth. And that's Jesus. You know, this is what it says in Mark, and I want you guys to flip here, if, or Matthew uh, chapter 6. If you don't know this passage of scripture, I really challenge you to put time into memorizing it. This is something that I think every person that believes in Jesus or says Jesus is their Savior and knows them and has a relationship with Jesus, a friendship with Jesus, I think everyone should know this passage of Scripture. This is what it says. And I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this. So you're all my students. I love you very, very much. I love all my leaders and my staff. So imagine Jesus sitting there with a bunch of his disciples. Some of his disciples were 13 all the way up to their 40s. Like it was a pretty broad range of disciples, the ages of them. And he's looking at this big group of people, not different from this room, ages, you know. You know, we have people like in there, you know, 13s, 14s, you know, people in their 20s like Tyler, people in their 30s like Marissa. We have people in their 40s like Serena. So we have a big group, a big group of ages here, okay? Big group of ages. And Jesus was teaching them how to pray. A lot of people, the boys are like, wait, Serena's in her 40s? This is weird. Uh, big group, of, big group, of, and he's teaching these people how to pray. And this is what he says. This is so good. This is what he says. He says, I'm going to teach you guys how to pray. Now, I remember when I started learning things for the first time, like it, there's vivid memories. I have this vivid, vivid memory, okay, vivid memory of when I was learning how to count to 100. Now, I know that seems lame and dumb, but it wasn't lame and dumb for like a, like a four or five-year-old who doesn't, who's never counted to 100 before. Like that's a pretty significant thing, counting to 100. So I remember I was just following my mom around. Like seriously, I was, just, I was following her around, and I was just counting and I would start at one, two, three, and I was just going through the numbers. And then she was doing laundry, and I'd mess up a number, and she'd say, no, 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 you messed up. You know, th- you know, this is the number. And she'd show, you know, teach me the number. And then I would just keep going, and I would keep doing it, and I would do it over and over again until I got it. Here's the thing that I love about Jesus. He looks at his disciples, and they're trying to learn how to pray. I don't know if any, everyone in the room has learned how to pray, but they haven't learned how to pray. The, the, they, they're confused by it. And so Jesus like my mom was for me, taught them how to do something they didn't know how to do. And this, it's documented in the Bible, this is so good, and this is what it says, and this is how they should pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us give in to temptation. But rescue us from the evil, the evil one. Here's the thing that I love about this. There's such an intention behind this prayer. On earth as it is in heaven, give us what we need. 
Forgive the people who need to be forgiven. Lead us not into sin. You know, deliver, only you, God, can deliver us. And here's the thing, if there's anyone qualified to bring the things of heaven to earth, it's Jesus. See, here's the thing, changing everything starts with changing one thing. And here, he's helping people learn, he's changing the way they pray. See, Jesus is about change. Not about change in himself, he knows who he is. He's about helping us figure it out. I think we're going to put this on the screen. Uh, Cody's going to click the button there. There we go. Changing everything starts with changing one thing. And in this passage of Scripture, it was changing the way they pray. See, because here's the thing. This, and, and I, I want you to hear this. This idea is a very risky idea. Very dangerous. Very risky. See, because if you are going to say, God, I want you to have life on earth like it is in heaven. I want you to change things in me. God, you are in the business of change, not changing yourself or changing how you do what you do or changing who you are or your character or your values, not changing your identity or your personality. You're about helping us change. So, so God, I want you to change those things in me. Here's the thing, doing this is risky. It's risky to do this because we want to say yes to God, but sometimes it means the loss that we're not ready for. We want to say, God, change our hearts so we love the people that don't have friends at school. And, but then when we actually do that and we lose some of our own friends in the process for standing up for what's right, we are upset by that. See, we want God to change us and make us something new, but when he does and we lose something, we regret that. You know, God, you know, give me a calling. I want you to change my heart so I care about things that are important. And then when God said, and there's a lot of things that are important, so I'm not devaluing things that are important. But if God changes your heart to want to serve the homeless in a new way, or go uh, to a, a different country and serve the people in a different country, and that means you're going to lose time with your family or with your friends or from In-N-Out Burger. Could you imagine going to, they don't have In-N-Out Burger in Africa. I've been to Africa. Same with Jason and Kristen. They don't have In-N-Out Burger. Could you imagine God calling me to Africa for a year? No In-N-Out Burger? You know how much weight I'd lose? I'd lose like 30 pounds. I'd be as skinny as this kid. You're a very skinny boy. I'd be as skinny as you. I'd have to borrow your clothes when I got back. See, we want God to change things in us, but sometimes we're not ready to, to take what that really means in our lives. But see, but here's the thing. This is what it says in Corinthians. I want you to open to Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. So if you guys are still with me, I want you to open up your Bibles in Corinthians. It's in the New Testament. So you just keep flipping. If you don't know where it is, you can use your table of contents. I use mine uh, not all the time, but I use it sometimes when I'm trying to find certain books. Ooh, someone wrote in the Bible here. What do they say? Mm, there you go. This is what it says. It's, uh, it's going to be up here on the screen too. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The, a new life has begun. See, here's what I love about this. Here's what I love about this. We want this. We say we want this. Jesus, change me. Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want you to show me new things. Jesus, I want to grow in my faith and mature. And maybe we look at someone who has grown in their faith or they have matured, and we say, I want to be like that. Well, here's the thing about that. You don't get to where I am or where John is or Alyssa or Jason or any of the other leaders here. You don't wake up and become that. 
You don't wake up and have a healthy prayer life. You don't wake up and read your Bible every day. You don't wake up and, and teach God's word. You don't wake up and lead worship like Julia Jung was doing with the entire band. They did such an incredible job today. You don't wake up and do those things. You do them one step at a time. But here's the thing. When you actually want to take a step, you have to be willing to really take that step. I think a lot of people say they want to take a step, but they're not willing to risk the implications of taking that step. Going toward Jesus means that he's going to change things about us. Not for the bad, for the better. But it might feel bad because that loss we have of what we know. See, th go, go back, go back one. I wasn't ready. See, the old life is gone. The old life he's talking about is your current life. See, the old life is the current life. The old life is gone. The new life has come. The new things we're passionate about, the new things we live our life by, the new things we spend our time doing, the new. Very rarely are we willing to embrace that new because of the risk of losing what we know. See, here's the thing. It's going to be up here on the screen. You can start this with one step. See, if that's how I started. Your pastor, Alyssa, Marissa Mays Matos, uh, Serena, uh, Holly over here, Jason Bowen, Michael over there, big surfer, great leader, Zach, Josh, all these leaders you have, you see around you, all the eighth graders, raise your hand, eighth graders, all the eighth graders, they, they didn't just, it didn't just happen. They took one step at a time. Here's my question to you. Here's my question to you. What is your one step? What is your one step toward? Everyone has a different step. This is language that I want you to get used to hearing because Everybody has one step forward. We're going to talk about it at camp this year. If you're not signed up for camp, you need to go to camp. I sat with Kristen. She's our camp speaker this year. Kristen's amazing. Uh, she has put together lessons that are going to compel you in a way that I've never seen before. I am so excited for camp. We're going to talk about what it means to take a step at camp. But I'm going to get you guys warmed up with this. Uh, there's going to be cards that are, are being passed around. You're starting to start getting them. And here's the bottom line for today that I want you to see. See, changing everything starts with changing one thing. If you say to yourself, man, I want to be like, and listen, I want you guys to know, I want to be like Jesus. So as I sit here as a 31-year-old pastor of junior high kids, I want to be like Jesus. So if you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I want to be like Justin, I want you to know that when you say you want to be like Justin, it's Justin who's saying, I want to be like Jesus. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened for me one step at a time. Can someone give me one of those cards? Actually, there's a picture of it on the screen. Don't worry about the card. This is what, this is what the, the, it looks like, all right? Your kingdom come blank as it is in heaven. Here's what I want you guys to do. The band's coming back up. Everybody has something. Everybody has something. I took that picture myself. Do you see? It's exactly it. Sorry. We should do the game like what's missing from this, and it's like the lanyard. Uh, this is what I want you guys to do. Just humor me a little bit. Hey, humor me a little bit. I believe that everyone in the room can take one step forward in their faith. I think everybody can. I think what God wants to do, I think what Jesus tells us to pray for, uh, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. See, what do you want God's kingdom to look like in your life? See, you, change happens everywhere, and it all starts with one step. 
So if you were to say, this is the one place, your kingdom come blank as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in my family as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in my relationships with people. Maybe my relationships with someone of a different gender than I am. May your kingdom come in how I talk on Instagram as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come to my friends that have secret accounts where they talk about other people in a terrible way as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come in my prayer life as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come in how I talk about other people. May your kingdom come in how I ask forgiveness. May your kingdom come in a difficult situation. May your kingdom come in a stressful situation. May your kingdom come in the middle of your parents' divorce. May your kingdom come in the middle of your, pa- of your friend's parents' divorce. May your kingdom come in, in what God may be calling you to, but you're too afraid to do it as it is in heaven. Everyone has a step forward they could take. I want everyone to fill out these cards. The band's going to play and just give you a second to fill these out. And then they're going to call you up to worship. I love you guys. I'm going to go back to the, uh, the back of the room. I'm going to fill out my card. I'm going to put it in my pocket and take it home with me. I'm going to stick mine on my mirror. I encourage all of you guys to do the same. The mirror is an easy place because if you brush your teeth every day or every other day like me, you'll at least see it every other day. Um, just kidding. Brush your teeth more. Fill out your card. The band's going to start strumming along, and they're going to call you up when it's time to worship, and then we're going to go have some fun, okay? Here we go. Fill out your cards.